Good morning. Kay and I are expecting our fourth grandchild now. We got a little girl coming in. We're excited about that. We already have three boys, and now we have a girl coming in. Uh, Our son and daughter-in-law in in Nashville are expecting a June baby, and so we're excited about that. Kay and I are just having a great time traveling and being empty nesters. We relocated to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're just really excited about what God is doing. If you're not receiving the Daily Champion, which is a 365-day Really, a kind of a daily devotional, a word of encouragement. We strongly recommend all of the men in the church receive that. And uh, we're adding about 500 new men every month that are subscribing to the Daily Champion. And we're excited about what God is doing. We're going in production right now over the next two weeks to get prepared to record the Daily Champion for a one-minute national syndicated uh, to all of the uh, 1,200 Christian radio stations uh, in, the, in the nation. So uh, pray with me about that. And then we're also going to print the Daily Champion by, the, by Father's Day of this year. And so that's in the works right now. And then we also have Champion U, which is our, uh, really it's a growth track for men. It's, uh, we teach men every Monday at 7 p.m. live via webinar. And it's really exciting what God is doing. I'm more excited about Champion U than anything I've ever done in my life. And uh, then our partnership with churches is growing rapidly. And so we're just so thankful. And Brazil is just an exciting opportunity. Pastor and I are going to be meeting with the team on a campus, a, a Bible theological seminary campus that has... Uh, a, uh, Distance learning for, for ministers throughout Brazil. L- listen to this. They have, they have 26,000 current students. And so we're going to be meeting with their team, and th- they want to take everything that we produce in Five Star Men and translate it and do voiceover. So Pastor and I will be able to speak Portuguese without having to learn it. <laughs> And they're going to do all of that work and listen to me. They're going to do everything that we, that, that we do and duplicate it. And it's going to be massively uh, effective in Brazil. I've already been down twice to lay the groundwork. This is our first conference. So would you be in prayer with us about Brazil and what God's doing? And, and we're translating Pastor's book, Resurrection of Authentic Manhood, into Portuguese and it's going to be one of the first books, uh, mine, Pfizer Man, and his will be the first two books translated. So I thank you for praying with us and investing in us. Amen? Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Let me make a confession of faith very quickly as we get into the Word. Thank you for the opportunity to communicate your Word. I pray that as I'm standing in the office of a teacher, I'm anointed to communicate... The prophet Isaiah said that stammering lips will speak fluently and clearly. I pray that I will speak clearly as I should, making the most of this opportunity that my conversation is seasoned with salt and that, Father, you'll watch over your word to perform it. Your word will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you've sent him. And I pray, Father, that as we receive your word, we mix your word with faith to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. Now... In the authority of Jesus Christ, I bind any deception 
And I bind any distraction over the word over the next few moments. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 11, looking at verse 31. Tarak took his son Abram, the grandson Lot of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, and the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out for the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Tarak lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. In order to understand Abram, who is Abraham, who is the, who is the father of our faith, if you are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you are a son and daughter of Abraham. This man has such an important role in your life, but you can't fully comprehend the covenant and what God has done in your life unless, unless you understand this man and his journey and where he came from. His father, Tarak, had it in his heart to leave the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is the valley of Mesopotamia. It was the civilization of its time. It was an incredible civilization, superior in, in so many ways. And yet God uh, really lays it on Tarak's heart to leave the Ur of the Chaldeans and go to a new land that, that would be, is called Canaan, or you and I refer to as the promised land. The reason we call it the promised land is because that is the promise of where the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus himself, is going to take up his residence on earth for a few years in order to have relationship with man. It, that's it's the promised land. And Tarak has it in his heart to leave leave where he is comfortable, leave his home, and take his family to promised land. So let's just represent this area as the era of the Chaldeans. And Tarak says, come on, we're going to move. Now, he, he takes his son, Abram, and he takes his son, Nahor, his grandson, Lot, and his son, Haran, Lot's father, has passed away. We don't know why, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but we just know that Haran has passed away. And as they are traveling, as they're journeying, they get, they get to a place about halfway, and the city is named Haran. And Haran represents, in Tarak's mind, a place of loss. It represents a memorial, a place of mourning. It represents a place that reminds him of the past. So when Tarak arrives at Haran, the Bible says that he is going to have it as a stopover. But it's clear that the Bible says that he settled there. He settled there. Now listen to me carefully. The greatest temptation in your life is to turn a stopover into a settlement is to turn a place that may have a reminder to you. It may be something that triggers a loss. It may be something that triggers a memorial. You know, sometimes when you're driving down the road and you may be 
going through the channels on your radio station and there's a song that from the 70s and it reminds you of something and all of a sudden, you, you know this, the feelings that you had when you were 16 are resurrected while you're driving down the road and you're 55. You haven't sung that song in years, but all of a sudden now you're feeling 16 again, and all of a sudden you're 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 leaning a little bit, and all of us everything begins to flood into your spirit because of that song and that memorial. And if you're not careful, you can turn a stopover into a settlement. See, listen to me. Tarak had it in his heart to go to. The promised land. Everyone say the promised land. He, he had promises here. This is a place that represents a new beginning. It's a place that represents his progeny. It's a place that represents destiny. It's a place that he knows that the Messiah is coming. And he knows this. I need my family to be in the area where there's promise. But when he got to Haran, he settled there. Listen to me carefully. Your destiny is not just what God promised. Your destiny is where you decided to stop. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me check my notes. They would shout amen. (laughs) My my notes tell me. (laughs) It says, hanky pop hallelujah moment. They will shout amen. Your destiny isn't the promise. Your destiny is where you decide to stop. You, when, the, when the grind and the resistance against what is promised to you, when the daily routine has become a drudgery, when everything... Listen, I'm not just talking geography. I'm talking presence. When, when, when what God has promised you has become, has become what you think is delayed. When what has promised you has caused your feet to settle. There comes a moment when you've got to go back to hear God. And that's why Genesis chapter 12, God speaks directly to Abram. Because Terak is no longer hearing. Terak is no longer hearing because he stopped taking steps. I'm going to tell you, the moment you stop taking steps of faith toward the promises of God, you will stop hearing. You will become deaf. You may have ears, but you won't hear. Are you, are you with me? Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So God gives, God gives Abram a vision board. It, it really is a vision board. He wants Abram to see something that he's not seen before. He wants Abram somehow to get a glimpse of his future. And so he says, look at the stars. Begin to look at the stars. Begin to count those stars. Those stars represent your children. This is a man who no longer has the potential to fill the promise. See, there's a lot of people that believe in miracles as long as they have the sufficiency to make them happen. But a miracle isn't self-sufficiency. 
Faith, the opposite of faith isn't fear. The opposite of faith is self-sufficiency. The idea that, that, that you have the potential to fulfill what only the omnipotent one can fulfill is a fallacy in your theology. When you need a miracle, you've got to rely on the potency of God, not on what you can do. So Abraham has, Abraham has to see this vision board. And God says, look at these stars because if you can indeed count them, they represent your children. But then he says in Deuteronomy 11, wherever you set your foot, the land will be yours. Now watch this. God gives Abram a vision board to, to claim as his children, but he takes steps to possess the land for them to have an inheritance. You, uh, oh, you missed an incredible opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that was a tweetable. <laughs> Hashtag awesome sermon. Because I'm telling you, Abraham, God gave Abraham the stars to claim as his children, but he gave them the land to give them an inheritance. See, it's one thing to claim your children. It's one thing to claim a promise. It's one thing to claim a future. But it's another thing to claim something that's going to go beyond you. Abraham stepped out on the land to possess for his children and their children. So that it's not just my pursuit to the promises of God isn't just about me getting somewhere. It's about me putting a position for my children to go where they need to be going. God gives you a vision so that you have a portrait to pursue. Listen to me carefully. You've you got to understand this because even when there was no hope, reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have, Romans 4 verse 18. You cannot believe, listen, you cannot believe beyond your belief system. So what God wants to do is he wants to give you a vision and give you a dream so that you, because seeing is believing. So God uses the ability to give you imagination and God gives you the ability to vision because if seeing is believing, he wants to give you a vision to believe. You know, I'm, I'm about to give you something so practical. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place he would receive his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Listen to me carefully. This is how it's worked in my life. You will never leave where you are until you see where you're supposed to be. Because the greatest temptation in your life is comfort. The greatest challenge is the resistance. To take the next step. But I've also learned this. You can have direction without knowing your destination. See, a lot of us want to just have all of everything mapped out. We want to know exactly what's going to happen. We want to know exactly what the resistance is going to be. We want to know every, every detail before we decide we're going to be in obedience. What God says is he... He wants you to see, he wants to see that you're in obedience before he gives you the destination. Because there's some things that he has for you that frankly you don't have the ability to receive yet. It 
Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. God orders steps, not leaps. I've said this so many times. It, 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 it becomes so, so routine for me to say this because so many people are trying to take leaps of faith. They're trying to take presumptuous steps, but God leads in steps, not leaps. And here's what I like about steps. Steps give me the ability to take an advance And when I get to this level, I can see further than I could back there. When a man has intentional direction, he doesn't have time for trivial pursuits. See, Tarak settled because the pain of his past encompassed more of his activity than the promise of his future. I decree and declare this morning, listen to me carefully. Some of you are still chewing on the bitter morsels of the past. And it's more real to you. And you have got to get to the place where you can be so descriptive about your future as you are about remembering your past. My wife and I began something a few months ago. That has literally changed our lives in over 30 years of disciplined prayer. This one practice has ushered in a whole nother level. Something that has absolutely revolutionized our life. And it came out of prayer and fasting. I fasted and I prayed and I said, God, I've got to hear. An under- I've got to get understanding. I've got to get revelation on this. And, I- and I've- I'm not telling you this for any other reason, for, for you to understand where I'm coming from. I, I had prayed for 40 days and fasted for, for those 40 days. And I said, God, I need a word. And God said, Habakkuk 2-2. I said, really? Habakkuk 2-2? Every pastor I know can give you Habakkuk 2 I could have gotten Habakkuk 2-2 in 40 minutes. I wouldn't have even had to miss lunch. But when I went to Habakkuk 2.2, it said, Write my message plainly on tablets so the hearer can, hear, can carry the correct message to others. And when, God, when I saw that, everything burst open into me, and I began to do something. My wife and I began every morning to write down our top ten prayer goals of the day. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. Some of you are going to just brush this off, and you're going to miss an opportunity. I'm telling you, I'm seeing this work in people's lives like nothing that I've ever seen before. Every single morning, I get up, and I take my iPad and my pen, and I write down my top ten. Now, listen to me carefully. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that a sentence requires precision. I've learned that a sentence requires clarity. You know what Pastor Youngie Cho in Seoul, Korea said? He said he was praying for a bicycle and, and it went weeks and he did not get his bicycle. And he, and he said, Lord, why have I not received my bicycle? He said, you have not described to me the bicycle that you want. So you don't recognize the bicycle that I have provided because you have not described it. And so... Pastor 
Pastor Youngie Cho said, I need a bicycle, and he described it, what color and what bicycle he wanted, and the next day, he, he, he had that bicycle delivered to him. The right color, everything. And he said, Lord, what's the secret to that? He said, I cannot answer general prayers because you would never know if they were answered. And that's what's happened to the church. We pray general prayers, and we, ex- and we, we don't even know what to praise God about. So I've learned the secret is writing out a full sentence form, clarity of speech, descriptive. I believe that God is doing this for me, and I describe it clearly. And I write 10. And I'm telling you, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard. One man said, I can help any man get anything he wants in life if I can ever find a man that can tell me what he wants in life. I started writing down, and my wife started writing down her top ten. And the next day, I write them down again, and I never look back at the previous day because I figure that if, if it's a true prayer, I don't have to rehearse it. So I write out all brand new, and I write it out clarity. And I've learned that over the days, it gets clearer and clearer. And now I'm getting to rejoice. God answered this one, and I can add to my list. Because God is answering prayer. My wife and I began to pray and believe God. We've been nomadic since 2000. What I mean by that is we left our home in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the the year 2000 to plant a church. So we sold our home. We invested all of our equity into a church plant. And so for 17 years, we were completely nomadic, meaning that we just rented or leased homes. And we started believing God for our home. And I started writing it down. And we started having a vision board. We started getting pictures of exactly what we wanted. And we would start looking at homes. Every time we'd go to Tulsa, we prayed about which city that God wanted us to live in, and we narrowed it down to Tulsa. I wanted to move to Texas. I wanted to move to Dallas, but I made a mistake. I preached in Dallas in the summer at a men's conference, and it was 115 degrees. And my air conditioner went out in my car. And I looked over, and my wife was literally melting. And she said, I'm never moving to Texas. I like being married, so Texas is off the list. We started praying about Tulsa. We started looking at homes. You know what's funny? When you're looking at homes and you don't have money, you can get as picky as you want to be. (laughs) I mean, you look at it, oh, I wouldn't have this. (laughs) You just get picky and you look and you look at all. I mean, we, we looked at home after home after home. We picked pictures out. And then one day I'm sitting at my desk and a, and a Zillow sends me an email. If you, haven't, if you don't know what Zillow is, you're not looking at homes. <laughs> Zillow sends me an email and, and doesn't even have pictures. And I've just felt, this is my home. I saw the address and I Google Earth the, the house and I looked down and I said, I think this is our home. A couple hours later, Kay walked in the office and she said, look at this house. And by that time, uh, pictures have popped up. And she didn't even get past the fourth picture. 
Because the fourth picture had her kitchen. It had absolutely everything that she had on her vision board in that kitchen, but even better. I didn't get past picture number eight, which was the backyard, the pool, and the hot tub. This is my home. I will dwell here. And it was on my list. And I told Kay, I said, I believe God is going to open up the right home at the very moment that we are ready to sign the deal. And that, that, that home came open. I said, we're, we're driving through Tulsa. We drove down to Tulsa. We met with the realtor. We walked in the house. I didn't even go upstairs. And I put the claim on the house. I walked in the backyard, and I learned this from a story from uh, Pastor David. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Silipino? Yeah, see, I have to get in the spirit to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, and you pastor, you preached there. I, I met him. Uh, but anyway, he, he talks about taking claim on a piece of property. I just went out in the backyard where I belong. Put my foot down. I said, this is my property. No one has the ability to claim this property. I am the son of Abraham with all the rights and the privileges and the favor of my father. He took claim and possession of land. I take claim and possession of this land. This land is my land. Not your land. This land is my land. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for me. That's a nokey for you. I took claim. I didn't care what the neighbors thought. I walked in, told the realtor and Kay. I said, let's gather in your kitchen, Kay. I mean, I didn't care what the realtor. I said, let's pray. Let's pray. We prayed over that house. And she said, Pastor, I, I, I just want you to know. She said, they've already had four offers. And I said, well, I'll be back Monday to make an offer. And she goes, I don't know if it'll make it through, through the week. In 10 days on the market, it had 10 offers. But on Tuesday, they accepted mine. Amen? Without negotiations. Why? Because I began to take steps and I began to write down and I began to have a vision board. And 17 years of generalized prayer didn't get me the answer. But the moment I get specific and get a vision board and I say, God, this is what you have for me. Amen? Now, I'm not just talking about having a house. God wants you to have a house. I'm talking about possessing things with five-star man. I, I have a separate ten list for five-star man. And all of a sudden, everything began to shift. Everything began to change. Why? Because God cannot answer generalized prayer. There's no direction in it. I decree and declare for the rest of your days, you get up in the morning and the first thing that you do is you set aside some time and you write down your top ten and get alone with God even before you pray and just start writing it down. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You're going to realize how what a bad speller you are. Just mark that out and rewrite it. 
Make sure the punctuation's proper. And write it down and then close the book and pray in the Holy Spirit. And I believe God's going to bring answers to your prayers. This week, a man came, uh, texted me and he said, Neil, here's my top ten prayers. I need you to be in agreement. Men that know me know that we, I don't walk with guys in accountability. I walk in agreement with men. I'm not your judge. I'm not, I'm not over you. I walk in agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree in the direction? So we're in agreement. And all of it, he, he had lost his job. The board voted him out of his company. He didn't know what to do. And I told him, write down your top ten. He's part of our champion you. And he heard me on that Monday night talk about that. And, and he sent me and sent me the list. And, and this week, he was trying to buy a company. And he said, Neil, I, I, and you could hear the desperation in the text without emojis. He said, here's my top ten, and, and here's what I need. And I said, you've got to get specific. And I forced him, you've got to get it down to specific. Tell me exactly what you need. And he kept going back to me. And how many know he got frustrated? He got frustrated because I'm not, I still don't see the specifics. You're just giving me generalization. You just want to be blessed. I don't know what that means. Tell me what you want. Dare to declare. And he got so specific. Then the next day he walked in to the bank. And the bank said, we want to partner with you to buy this company. So this week he was able to buy a company. Amen. He's, he's a partner with Five Star Man. I have other partners with Five Star Man. I'm believing with you. I'm walking in agreement with you because, because God wants to do something great in our time. I feel like, I feel like I'm walking on holy ground. Last weekend, Kay and I were driving through Dallas, Texas. We're driving south of Dallas, and I look over, and I saw a building. I say, okay, see that building? That building coming up on the left, see that building? I say, that's Pastor Noah's building. That's Phyllis's grandfather. I said, I would love to be able to go in that room. Because I guarantee you, I could find the room. I could find the room. I could walk in that building. After all of these years, I could find the room. I could find the room where Pastor Noah knelt down and he prayed about his children and their children and their children. Because there was a grandpa that prayed for Phoenix before Phoenix was ever imagination. And I said, there's that building. There's Pastor Noah's building. And then about 20 miles later, I looked to the right and I said, there's his legacy. There's the church that's come out of that one. I feel like I'm walking on holy ground in this place. Because what God has established here is a house of prayer. And what I'm saying to you is get so specific that he can show up and answer. This is going to be 
one of those moments where you just got to be so brutally honest that you don't care what anyone else thinks. I, I'll be honest with you. I've reached that place in life. I've got the gray hair. I've got the seasoning. I, I've reached that place where if God approves me in the morning, I don't care if you think I'm cute during the day. I, I, I'm okay. Because God said to me this morning, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing good. So I'm just at a place right now this morning. If you, if you are stuck, and I'm not talking geography. I'm talking about your place in Christ. And you say, God, I have got to take the next step. I have got to move forward. I have got to get, I have got to get released of this debt. I have got to get released of this pain. I have got to get released of this, of this, of this loss. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. And there's going to be a supernatural release on you today. This year is, is altered. This year is altered. That means that it is time for us to come to the altar. So I'm, I'm calling you out to come down here, and I'm going to pray for you. you you're believing God. You know what's going to happen. There is going to be a supernatural anointing and empowerment to you, for you to take the steps. Come on down here and lift up your hands, and I'm believing that the God of the supernatural, the God of the omnipotent power, the promises that he made to you are going to come to pass even now. I'm not talking next month. I'm not talking next week. I'm not talking next tomorrow. I'm talking right now. The power of God. Come on, crowd down in here. Get so close. Get so get so close with one another. But let the power of God surge through you in just a moment. I pray for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift up your hands. Begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Come on, lift up your hands. My Father, you heard my prayer. I say this out loud because those who did not hear it, they need to hear it. I decree and declare right now that you've already promised this morning that every tear that has dropped and every prayer that has been prayed has been heard and registered. And now, in Jesus' name, let the anointing and the power and the potential of God work in every person in this altar. In the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Glory! There is no addiction that can hold you any longer. In the name of Jesus, you are completely set free. Say this, declare this with your lips. 
right now and forevermore. I forgive the past. Satan cannot hold me. He cannot hold me any longer. I now take a step of faith to the promises of God. And I won't look back. I will press forward. Not just for my life. But for my children. And my children's children. Forever. Pursuing. God. In Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. I receive healing in my body. Come on, say that. I receive healing in my body. Body, settle down. Get in line with the purpose of God. Jesus' name. My mind is alert. I have the mind of Christ. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. My body aligns to my destiny. And I will be strong to be able to run the purpose that is marked out before me. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Say this out loud. I replace fantasies with reality. The reality of vision is real. It is substance. It is hope. That you've marked for me. You have given me dreams. And you have replaced schemes. You have given me purpose. Over my plans. I am a child of destiny. I have a promise. And your word. Will be fulfilled in my life. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Give the Lord a shout. 